we've been, looking at, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments. Let me start from the beginning. We've been looking at the Ten Commandments in the main uh, service here uh, through the summer. And I've been working through the Ten, which are in Exodus 20. Now, we don't need to read them all this morning, but this is for children as well as grown-ups. It's not something that is... If you've got a little tiny, sorry, a little tiny crazy ones and you want to take them out, I'd forgotten that, but we don't mind. We'd be informal, just slip out with them. Um, do they know where to go? Sorry. Everybody knows what they're doing. Fine? That's okay. Sorry about that. I was perhaps a little quick. But we don't mind a bit of movement that way. But actually, we've been looking at these Ten Commandments, and you might not know them all, but most of us uh, would have some idea what are there, what they are. But I want to say that these ten, we're going to look at one of them today, we're going to look at actually number nine on the list. These ten commandments are like God's instructions to us how to live the best way as human beings, as people, boys and girls and men and women. They're sort of the maker's instructions about life. So that if we take them seriously, if we do them properly, we would, if we could do them properly, have a very good life and live very well together. We'd have a good community life and individual life. But actually, we do find it difficult to live up to them. And God sort of knew we would. And so the Ten Commandments have have another purpose. They are a bit like a spirit level. And I just happen to have one here. One that I didn't make earlier. And one that I only just know how to use, but I'm sure somebody can help me. Who knows what a spirit level is used for? Anybody under 12 know what a spirit level is used for? Uh, we can, Rose, have you got a microphone? Perhaps you could get an answer for it. Okay, could you tell, tell us what this, a spirit level is used for? Got one answer coming from here. Yep. Measuring was, can we have the microphone? Yeah. It's all, okay. Okay, I think it's for making sure something is completely level. Making sure something is completely level. Very good. That is, this is for making sure something is completely level. Somebody else, you probably can't see it from where you are. Do you know how, somebody relatively young, do you know how you make sure? There's a hand waving at the back. Rose, you're going to be active this morning. How does it help me to make sure uh, something is level? Okay, let's listen for this answer. It might be right. Doesn't it have a green dot that has has to go in the middle? A green liquid, a green dot. I would use another word for it. A green... A bubble. A bubble. There is a green bubble in the middle here that wobbles backwards and forwards... And actually, this is a really clever spirit level. It can tell you if something's level, and it can also tell you if something's straight, because it's got a green bubble wobbling backwards and forwards that way, so you can hold it against something, which is like a plumb line, a totally old-fashioned way of doing it. So, I'm going to... Who would like to come and test whether this is properly made? Come on, then. No, no, let's have a little one from the front. I think we have someone slightly younger, if you don't mind, Scott. Come on, then. Up you come. There's Jack. Okay, now this was made, handmade for this church. So here's the bubble. I want to see if it's level. So you've got to hold it across the top on the thing and tell us all if the person who made this made it level. Uh, He 
He did. Superb. I don't know who made it, but it is level because there is a bubble just about. You're right. It's not exactly in the middle, is it? No. There's two lines like that, and it's towards one end. So it is slightly not level. If we raise it up, oh, it gets worse that way. Yeah, it's about a millimeter or two out. It's a bit sad. Probably ought to go back. Okay, Jack, will you check if it's straight upright? I think you'd better hold it against that. Uh, oh, dear. Not very, very, um, actually, you can fiddle it like that, can't you? Because we really need to get underneath. Um, yeah, it's not really totally straight. Do you think it's the stage that's not level? Let's try the stage. We might be here sometime. Uh, the stage is level. The stage is level. Ooh. So, this can tell us that this is not precisely level. We think it's pretty straight, although it's a bit harder to tell. We've been... We're getting some official help. Oh. Oh, very good. Um, that's made a lot of difference, has it? <laughs> well, thank you for your help. Fortunately, I will not be putting this right. Because as Marion tells you, really things are not very level when I do them. In fact, Marion's eye is better than the level. She's one of these people who's got a very straight eye. And, and, uh, so I don't need a spirit level, I just ask my wife. But anyway, thanks very much, Jack. Uh, we're we're, we're going to keep this... Yeah, give him a clap. We're going to keep this in mind because this is a bit like the Ten Commandments. You say, what on earth has this got to do with the Ten Commandments? Well, this, the Ten Commandments give us an idea if we're not as we should be. A bit like looking at this. It can look fine, but then when you bring this against it, we can see that it's not quite as it should be, although it's pretty good. Well, the Ten Commandments are a bit like that. So we think, hey, we're quite nice. We're quite good, really. And God says, do you love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul? Uh, not, not really. Or, or maybe even something that we might, some of us might think, well, I'm okay, you know, I don't murder anyone. One of the Ten Commandments is not to murder. But then the one we're going to look at today says something else. Well, I'll save that for later because I'll answer my own question. <laughs> so I have another one. The last one, next week's, says don't covet, which is want things that other people have got. And that might be a little nearer to the bone. We might not be quite so straight when it comes to that one. We'll look at today's in a minute. I nearly gave away my question. Because today's is number nine. It's gonna, have we got those PowerPoints? Let's put it up. This is number nine, and that's what we're going to look at. And can we have the next slide? Because that's what it actually is. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. Now, that is rather a long word, or words, false testimony against can anybody think of a simpler word for false testimony? And I'll give you a clue. Let's say it begins, which it does, with L. Right, some hand waving there. Go on. Lie. Thank you. Lying would be a pretty good way of describing this. So, if we go on to the next slide, the first thing we say, okay, what's this commandment about? And we'll go on to the next one, and we'll put the first word up. It's about, and could we have it, lying. The first word will come up, lying, I hope. Great. So that's really a pretty good summary of what this commandment's saying. It's saying, don't lie. Now that is actually a little nearer to the bone, nearer to what might be uh, a difficulty for us. Because a lot of us lie. I personally, 
when I was quite young, used to lie quite a bit when I was a teenager. And I was a Christian, and uh, I thought, I, I, I love Jesus, but I used to struggle with really telling the truth when it got me into trouble. Perhaps I'm not the only person that struggles like that. So if I did something I shouldn't do, I'd be inclined to lie about it. And it, and it became a bit of a habit, really. I knew I could duck and weave and avoid trouble. And uh, God had to really challenge me as I got a bit older that I was beginning to use that as a, a defence mechanism. And so it was like God's word came like a slide, uh, like a, sorry, a spirit level, not a slide rule, a spirit level against my life and showed how crooked it was. And I had to ask him to help me to put it right. Lying is one of the things that God hates. And uh, it's certainly breaking this commandment. But actually, God says there are other things that also break this commandment. Let's put the next word up. It's a different, different word, maybe a more difficult one. The word slander. I hope it's going to come up. Yeah. Now, does anybody... No, I won't even ask you. Let's not play dictionaries this morning. Let me tell you what slander is. Slander is when you say something about someone that is partly true, but makes them look really bad and, and, make, and sort of breaks, uh, tears down their character. Sometimes people do it to, to destroy people's reputation or to just upset them and cause trouble for them. It's really saying like only the bad things about someone or not, not giving a full balanced picture. It's not always that it's totally untrue. It's just that you select what you say and you give it in such a way as to make a person look really bad. Now, God says, and I'm talking not just to young people, I'm talking to all of us. God says that offends him, that he doesn't like that. That is violating the ninth commandment. It's a false testimony against your neighbour to slander them. There's another one, gossip. Can we put that one up, please? And that's another word that, that refers to something God hates and God would say is a violation of the ninth commandment. Now, what's gossip? Well, that's idle, unnecessary information about someone. Where you pass on something that may be a rumour, but you pass it on as fact. God hates it. It may not be aimed at hurting people. In fact, it often isn't. Not like slander. What it actually is, is that you want to boost your own reputation. You want to look good. You want to have a juicy bit of information to pass on. Or maybe you want to get attention for yourself and make everybody listen to you and think how wonderful you are. But actually you're doing it without thinking about the other person. Gossip is bad news all round. You tell someone something they don't need to hear and they get upset and burdened about it. The person you're talking about isn't helped and you yourself look a bit cheap and a bit funny, really, by doing it. It doesn't do you any good. One of, God hates gossip, and we need to be careful we don't get into it, because it's a very common problem. And one of the ways you can protect yourself from gossip is to think, does this person need to hear what I'm saying to them? What good is this doing for the person I'm talking about? Things like that. What, what, what actually can this person I'm talking to do about this problem? Now, if there are positive answers, if this person is part of the answer to the problem, that's fine. If it helps somebody else, it's fine sometimes to talk about quite important things. But when it's just information with no benefit, it's gossip. There's another one that God would call violating the ninth commandment. It's exaggeration. Now, actually, we are people who enjoy the right sort of exaggeration. God, God knows we like stories. We're storytellers as people. Men and women are. We like stories. They're healthy. They're creative. And they're often full of fantasy and exaggeration and imagination and things like that. 
that's not really what God hates. What God hates is exaggerating factual information about real people, real situations, and making it sound as though it's true when it's not. It's a false testimony. When you say that something is bigger than it is, or you've got more money than you have, or something else. Sometimes people even do it about God's work, and he doesn't want them to do that. They don't need to exaggerate what God does. He's big enough to look after himself. So actually, as we think about it, we can see that the ninth commandment, in terms of a spirit level, can be quite challenging. If I bring against your life and my life lying, maybe bring against it uh, gossip, slander, exaggeration, perhaps the bubble won't exactly be in the middle. Maybe for many of us, it shows up that something is not as it should be. In fact, it can be so easy to do these things, gossip and lie and exaggerate, that we might even say, what is the big problem? Why is lying so bad? What's wrong with it? Because most people do it a bit. Maybe some people do it a lot and think it's okay. Sometimes when you're at work, people actually ask you to lie in order to be part of the work. Well, say the things in the post when it isn't, or say we haven't got any when we have. And it's just normal life. So what's so bad about it? Well, I'm going to tell you quickly what is so bad about it. The most important thing is God hates lying. God hates lying. And that's on the next slide, please. Uh, God hates lying. And quite quickly we'll go to the next slide because here is a really startling bit of the Bible. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. So these are things God absolutely hates, the God of creation. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. If you get into any of those things, you are on the wrong side of God. And interestingly enough, two of them are to do with lying. Out of God's worst seven, two are to do with lying. It's interesting what God really hates. Perhaps it's not always what we think it might be. But two of them are to do with lying. God doesn't like lying. In fact, it's a big issue for him because God puts great importance on words. God himself created through words. God does not do anything without saying it first. And what he says, he will always do. And what God says always comes true. So God sees words as very important and what they, what's said will happen. He made us in his own image. Men and women are made in the image of God. And we have the ability to speak words in a way that animals don't. They do make noises to communicate. They are wonderfully made but they don't have that same God-given ability to put their ideas creatively into thought and thoughts into words. It is a unique ability and it's something of a godlike way of operating that God's given us as men and women and boys and girls. And he expects us to use our words like he does, truly, and to mean what we say and say what we mean and to truly express our minds and our thoughts. And God says he's going to actually ask us about our words. You know, on the day of judgment, one of the things that will be judged is how we've used our language, our words. Every word, apparently, the Bible tells us in Matthew 12, will will be accountable for every word. 
So God hates lying, but the thing is, Satan loves it. So the next one, that's another good reason for not lying. Satan loves lying. Here's a scripture, John 8, verse 44. And it says this, Jesus is speaking, and he says to some people who are lying, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, look at this last sentence, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when you talk, when you lie, you talk Satan's language. When you speak the truth, you speak the language of God, the language of heaven, where every word is true and is meant and is creative and brings what it says. But when you lie, that is the native language of Satan. And so lying opens up our lives to Satan's influence. And it's exactly the same, really, as happened right at the beginning, right with Adam and Eve. Satan lied to them, he deceived them, but he then tempted them into a place where they began to lie. And instead of having a relationship with God, which was totally true, they began to say things and and, and make things up. You can just see it in those first few chapters of Genesis. And Adam begins to lie and cover and deceive to try and to to avoid taking the blame for, for taking the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. So Satan was a liar and he brought mankind and men and women over into lying like he did. And it was destructive from the beginning. In some ways, it's the start of the whole problem of sin. Believing a lie and speaking a lie is the root of a lot that's wrong with all of us. Believing Satan's lies is a very, very dangerous thing and most of us have grown up doing it. And it's a very destructive thing. Lying destroys. Lying destroys. It destroys us. It destroys our relationships. It can destroy families and communities. It can destroy individuals. Literally cause them great trouble. We've got an illustration for that which Rose is going to talk us through from the Bible. It's one of the bad things about lying. You'll know this story. We're just going to use some pictures to help us tell the story. You'll know the story of Joseph. Now Joseph um, was sold as a slave. The man holding the money, Potiphar. Okay, so he's handing money over. He's just bought Joseph to be a slave in his house. Have a look at what happens. There he is. He's in, he's in Potiphar's house and he's, he's looking after the house and he's making sure it's all clean and it's all great. He is his slave. Now Joseph, if you look at him, he's a handsome man. You can tell, can't he? He was a handsome man. Now, Joseph was wandering around the court one day when he came across Potiphar's wife. Now, she thought he was handsome as well. Whoa! You're handsome, she said. And this is where the trouble began. Uh, Joseph was a little bit embarrassed at this, as we'll see. I'm Joseph, um, yes, um, uh, uh, whoops, I probably shouldn't be here. Joseph knows that, yeah, it's probably not the best place for him to be. You know, Potiphar's wife kept on following Joseph around. She kept saying, oh, I like you. Now, she's Potiphar's wife, and Joseph is a servant. She He's doing a dusting. And she's, hello, Joseph. 
Joseph does the right thing. Next slide says, he runs. He runs away. He doesn't want anything to do with old Potiphar's wife. So he runs. And this is where it fits in with John's talk today. Potiphar's wife lies. Look at this. My husband brought this Hebrew into our house. Joseph, he's making me look a fool. He keeps saying wrong things to me. Hang on a minute. He didn't. He says, I'm beautiful. No. But I am married. Uh, And he screamed. I I screamed and he, he ran away. Well, that was true. That was the true bit. And she's just lied. She goes to her husband and says, look, this is how your slave has treated me. Because Potiphar's wife couldn't get her own way, she lied. She told a story about Joseph that wasn't true. And actually, Joseph had to face the consequences of somebody else's lie. Joseph ended up in prison. And actually, when we lie, it might not always be us that turns out in the worst position. It might be the people that we say the lie against. Joseph ended up in prison, and that was a problem. We can change, and John's going to tell us how. I might have this every week. It's a sort of security. Um, <laughs> I might use it again. No, it's good. That's, it's basically what you can do with Lego, isn't it? We were playing Lego this morning, actually. Uh, <laughs> Must try that one. I don't think we've quite got the right pieces. Um, but it is a very good illustration of why, one of the reasons why lying is wrong. It's very destructive of other people and yourself. I mean, everybody suffers in a way when that sort of lying is going on. Everybody was messed up by that. Potiphar himself believing bad things about Joseph, which weren't true. Joseph clearly in prison. That was very bad for him. But even in a sense, Potiphar's wife, who was already a mess, was deeper in her mess, really, lying to her husband as well. So lying is bad news, uh, and it's something that's very common, as we've seen, in all our lives. So what is the answer? How can we change? Well, there are some answers, praise God. God, as I said, gave, this is why I wanted this up again, he gave us the Ten Commandments sort of as a slide, as a, oh, for goodness sake, what is it? Spirit level, thanks. That's right, it's not a slide rule. I've never used a slide rule in my life, I don't even know what one is. It's just something that keeps going through my brain. It begins with S, I suppose. Right. Spirit level. Now, God uses it for a purpose which is not just to leave us feeling a mess. Hallelujah. God uses the Ten Commandments to show that things aren't right, but actually to point us to an answer. Hallelujah. It's good news. It's all very fine just to come up and say, oh, that's crooked, and be a real sort of perfectionist and miserable and grumbly, and then just moan about it. That wouldn't be much use. But if you say there's something wrong with that and I can fix it for you quite easily, as Stuart has endeavoured to do, uh, that is very helpful. Now, God did something like that, much more than that, of course. He said, yeah, you are sinners, you have lied, you do say the wrong thing, but I will provide a means of forgiving you completely and changing you and helping you to live differently in future. And that is what the good news of the Gospel is all about, how we can change. 
And the first thing God's done is caused us to be able to be forgiven for the lies we've already told. So the things we've done wrong, and I doubt if there's a person in this room that hasn't lied, things we've done wrong can be completely forgiven and washed away. It says in the Bible, as, it, as, as you see, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness means all. It means lying, gossiping, exaggerating, slander and everything else. We can be forgiven everything we've done wrong. Why? Because Jesus died for our sins. The law brought a curse. Those who broke the law were under the judgment of God. But that curse fell on Jesus. That judgment fell on him. When he died on the cross, he died for your sin and my sin. And it is wonderful. And it isn't really something that only applies when you first become a Christian. Because many of us in this room have known this truth and have already committed our lives to Jesus. But we need to continue enjoying this that when we do fail and fall, as we sometimes do, we can immediately confess our sin and know that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness still. It goes on cleansing us. So the wonderful thing God's done is change, as it were, our future, I suppose, because our lying and our sin, our law-breaking, meant we were on the way to judgment and into trouble with God. But we can be forgiven completely and all of it is just washed away and removed. But there's more. Jesus doesn't just forgive us, he wants to change us. And he does that by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and changes us. And actually, what really happens in this area of of lying, if you like, is that, that God changes our tongues to speak good things. It's a positive answer to a negative problem. Instead of just sort of trying to control your lying, God will lead you to do the right thing. So, for example, to speak the truth in love. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit will help you to do, to be able to speak the truth in love. But maybe it's just to teach you to praise God and thank God and express your love in Him. I'm going to trust in God, we sang earlier. Well, we express our faith and that begins to undermine the fear that can make us lie sometimes. Or maybe we, be, we begin to be able to, to speak with confidence about the future because we, we do know that God's with us. So we speak out thanksgiving for all the things that he's, the good things he's given us. And as we begin to do that, it's harder and harder to speak distorted and wrong things. Or maybe, like Melody, we're talking about Jesus at work or to our friends. And as we talk about Jesus, it's quite hard to talk about Jesus one minute and then lie on the phone, for example, at work the next minute. It sort of doesn't become easy. Praise God. It becomes harder to lie. If you're someone who talks about Jesus and his love and and, and everything else, and then someone says, oh, will you tell a lie? You say, no, no, I can't. I, I follow Jesus. And they sort of begin to understand because they know that you're talking about something special. So as you talk the right talk and honor God with your mouth and your lips, whether it's at school or at college or at work, it does begin to affect how you live and it begins to help you to speak the truth and to speak God's language and not Satan's language. So there is a passage I want to put up, it's already up, which is very important on this one. It's be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we go on being filled with the Spirit, we will more and more 
be a, find it hard to lie and be able to speak the truth in love. It really is about allowing a new way of living to dominate our lives. It's, it's getting new good habits of praising God, of being filled with the Spirit, of pouring out spiritual songs and hymns, giving thanks to the Lord. As that grows and develops, fulfilling the ninth commandment will no longer be just a legal thing. It, you won't even think of it like that. It'll be the natural way to live. Because in some ways, the Ten Commandments are also a summary of how a Spirit-filled person will live. We'll live not lying, but speaking the truth in love. We'll live praising God and thanking him. And lies, hopefully, will become a rarity. And when, when they do come in under pressure, we'll immediately be aware of them and say, oh Lord, forgive me, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that's wrong. I want now to speak the truth in love. Please help me to do that. So as we come to the end, we're going to just sort of think about that and we're going to think about responding to that a bit.